Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here with you. And on this Friday, as we do for so many Fridays, we're so thrilled to be able to chat with our good pal Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network about your 2022 National League Eastern Division champion, Atlanta Braves. Kevin, the time is so greatly appreciated. Did you honestly think that we would get back to this point in talking about a Braves club that's won five divisions in a row now? Yeah, it looked a little bleak. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Throughout the majority of this summer, if they were going to just have enough time, that was the one thing, guys. I think you started looking at the calendar and going, "I just don't know if there's enough days left uh, in the year for them to be able to catch the Mets, who entering the month of September had such a favorable schedule. They had such an easy road, and they, you know, had some teams play spoiler alert against them. They could not handle their business against the Cubs. They lost a couple really awful games to the Nationals. Uh, the Pirates as well. So ultimately, you know, the Braves capitalized, and they did exactly what they had to do last weekend coming in. The narrative was the Mets just need to win one. Well, they win none. Braves do sweep, and then, of course, we know they hold that all-important tiebreaker. So I, I didn't doubt that this was a team that was good enough to be a first-place ball club. I just didn't know if in that final month they would have enough days left to make up that ground, but they do, and here they are getting a couple of much-needed days off. One of the things that uh, doesn't get enough attention and it hardly ever does when things are going really well, it's only in the trying times that you make it more of a point. But, man, you look at September and, and the first few games here in October for that Braves bullpen. They're pitching their best at the right time of year under two ERA for that bullpen. What can you say about the work of those guys? Yeah, they've been the unsung heroes. And it, it's hard to say that they're unsung heroes because of how important of a role they've served. But, I mean, between what Colin McHugh has given you and Dylan Lee finding himself in higher leverage late-game situations, um, looking at Jackson Stevens being a guy that's sort of come out of nowhere, uh, Jesse Chavez comes back, uh, Tyler Matzik hasn't necessarily been him the, the same Matzik that he was a year ago, but still a guy you can rely on. Uh, Minter's done it all year. Now you throw Iglesias in there with Jansen, who I know a lot of fans were you know, kind of clamoring for maybe they need to do something different in the ninth inning. But Snit did what Snit did last year, and he stuck with his closer through some times that maybe weren't as pretty as you would have hoped, and he's been rewarded for that loyalty. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. We, we call the bullpen the unsung heroes, and I've said that a number of times here locally in Atlanta, but it's almost hard to believe they can still be unsung with the role that they had to serve for this team, especially over the last few weeks. And, Kevin, when you look at um, really the, the whole pitching staff, too, if you were going to go back at the starters and the way – Charlie Morton pitched in the second half. Obviously, Spencer Strider being such a big surprise. Kyle Wright leading Major League Baseball in wins. Uh, of all these things, and obviously Max Fried doing his thing, of all these things, what are you most pleased with? What, what was the maybe the biggest key throughout the season of the Braves pitching staff? Well, I think adding Spencer Strider really helps solidify things. You go back to May where, you know, early on in the season, April and May, you had some moving parts. You tried out Muller. That didn't work. Elder got a few starts. That didn't work. He went back down. Uh, you know, Enoa didn't pan out. And Ian Anderson, let's not forget, guys, Ian Anderson, who's been a guy who's been so pivotal for you in the postseason the last couple of years, really wasn't a part of this thing. He, he just could never get it going. And even at AAA, his numbers weren't great. You know, he scuffled down there. And, um, you know, I think that you saw just a season where, you know, he kind of showed that he's still not a finished product. So ultimately, the pitching staff, once you got Spencer Strider in there, 
really helped stabilize things. And obviously the, the question all summer was, is there going to be an innings limit or how are they going to protect him or, you know, make sure they don't overdo it. And all he did was go to the post every five days for you. So you can't say enough good things about the job Strider did, you know, did for you. And now you just keep your fingers crossed that he is able to go for the division series. That will be huge to get that arm back. But I do think, you know, Max is Max. He, he keeps on just doing it every five days for you, year in and year out. Uh, Charlie Morton hasn't been as consistent as you would have liked, uh, but clearly they saw some things this year, some metrics, some numbers that told them uh, they feel good about, you know, giving him $20 million as a 39-year-old next year. Uh, Kyle Wright, 21 wins. He leads all of Major League Baseball in victories. And I probably sound like a dinosaur to some talking about wins and pitcher wins, but 20 wins is still a really, really big deal. You could not wipe the smile off his face when I talked to him a few days ago about it. Uh, and then again, the job that other guys did, you know, sort of bridging the gap. Um, it's really been a collective effort. It's been a true team effort. Probably feels like a cliche, but they, it really is. It, it means uh, so much more when you see the way that these guys have all had an impact. And Kevin, want to look at the lineup for just a second, or in particular the Mets series, before we start talking about the, the postseason roster and, w- and what lies ahead. Because we talked about that Matt Olson was having arguably the worst month of his career. And he goes and he hits three home runs in that Mets series, as well as Dansby Swanson. Uh, and just at the timeliness of this team, I don't know if there's a, a, a real question here, but it, it just seemed like that they – at the right time, for whatever reason, guys that were on this team last year that know what it's like to play in big games and guys that were not on this team, they came together in the most important yeah. series of the year. Yeah, they did. There's no question. And, look, that's, that's sort of been the M.O. of this team the last few years is really step up when it matters the most. When they need to get victories, they find a way to get that job done. And, look, I'll say this about Matt Olson. First year with a new team, switching coast. He's got a lot more family in the building. He's playing for his hometown team, and he's taking over for Freddie Freeman. There's a lot going on there. When you start talking about year one for a guy on a new team who, oh, by the way, got the largest contract in franchise history, uh, only to be you know surpassed by Austin Riley a few months later. But, um, I mean, look, give me 30 and 100 from Matt Olson every year, and I will be just fine with those kinds of numbers. Um, I, he's had a good year. You look at it on a whole, obviously there's some, some, some areas you'd like to see uh, more consistency from, uh, but I don't think you can be upset or be disappointed about the year you got from him. Uh, again, I think it took a little bit of an adjustment period. The, the one thing I'll say about Matt is I don't think his defense was as good as it can be. I think you're going to see a much better defensive first baseman moving forward. Again, I think you've only scratched the surface of what you're going to get from this guy. So, again, if 30 and 100 is your, your first uh, you know, way to ingrain yourself in a new fan base, I think it can only go up from there. Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Networks joining us here on Sports Call Atlanta will play in the playoffs, uh, awaiting some wild card weekend festivities, and then they'll get at it in the division series next week. So, talking about this club jumping into the postseason, the health is a big factor of everybody. We know Ronald Acuna Jr. missing the postseason a year ago. This year, it's Ozzy Albies and Str- Spencer Strider that so many people have their eyes on. What is your gut telling you? What are the reports out there on whether or not these two players will be available, Kevin? I think Strider will be for the division series. I don't think Ozzy will be. I think it's going to take a long run to get Ozzy back in there. Um, I just he still has the cast on. Now I know he's been doing baseball activities and taking some ground balls with Wash, but he's still you know not throwing obviously with that cast on his on his right uh, wrist area. So um, I think I'm a lot more optimistic about Strider than I am about Ozzy. And again, hopefully it would be a case where they do advance and you could get Ozzy back in there. But I'll say this. 
tip of the cap to Orlando Arcia. Job well done by this guy who has just stepped in, and, and as Smith calls him, and I love the way he described it, he said Orlando's a dude. I mean, that's just the best way to describe the guy. <laughs> he's just a dude, and he comes in, and he's had huge hits, bottom of the lineup, plays really good defense. Um, not a knock on Vaughn Grissom because he had some big moments as well, but I think you ride that hot hand. It's funny, I got a text from a former Braves player who I will remain nameless, but uh, he's one that you're all very well familiar with who played this game for a very long time, and it was on the series when the Braves were in D.C. last week, and he said – any reason why Grissom's not playing? And I said, well, uh, R.C. is homered in three straight games in D.C. And then about 15 minutes later, I had to text this player back and say, update, R.C. has now homered in four straight games in D.C. <laughs> and then the very next night, I had said to say, well, there's number five. And his response was, well, there you go. That answers that. So uh, I think it's just a matter of riding the hot hand. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic about Strider than Ozzy. And, again, hopefully it is a situation where you can plug a, a healthy body with fresh legs into the LCS roster. That would be huge for this team if that was the case for Ozzy. So with those couple of injuries and, and knowing that Ozzy will probably not be ready for the NLDS, what what are the roster decisions that the Braves have to make? Is a guy like Marcelo Zuna safe? Uh, what kind of pitching uh, dilemma might they have at the end of the rotation? If Strider can't go, just what goes into the postseason roster decisions? Yeah, well, that's. I think Marcel did enough this month to, to, to earn a spot on the team. Look, you're not going to use him a whole lot probably, uh, but having that bat off the bench is huge. So I think that this was probably a month where he needed to prove himself a little bit, which is weird to say for a guy who's been around as long as Marcel has. But obviously I think you know he had a, a decent September, much better September than he's had you know most of this year. So I think he did enough. As far as the decisions to make, um, I think it'll come down to, okay, uh, what are you doing as far as maybe a backup infielder slash backup outfielder? Uh, you know, Ozuna would be an emergency situation if something happened and you needed to run him out there in the outfield. But I think that if he, if he does appear, it'll be coming off the bench. I think it really comes down to a couple of spots in the pen. Um, I don't expect any real surprises, guys. You know, your, your everyday lineup is set. Um, you've got, uh, you know, your guys coming off the bench where, uh, you know, it would probably be a combination of, of Grissom uh, and whoever's not catching that night's probably DHing. So it'll probably be Contreras DHing more nights than not. Uh, so again, I do think it's, it's going to come down to one or two moves. Uh, maybe a, you know, a guy that could come off the bench and help you. Uh, maybe a, a potential uh, late game base runner or something like that. But, um, I don't expect us to get this, uh, this roster on Monday or Tuesday morning and say, wow, I can't believe this guy's in and that guy's off. Um, your, your team pretty much is what it is right now. Kevin McAlpin here with us on the program today ahead of the Braves postseason run. Ronald Acuna Jr. will get to play for Atlanta this time around. What uh, what does he mean to this club? And obviously a, a year that the numbers weren't necessarily eye-popping in terms of the home run production and that sort of thing, but his health yeah. and, and his status going into the postseason and what it can all mean. Well, I think he's fired up for it. You know, you saw those games against the Mets. He was he was really jacked up for those games. Um, look, he missed it last year. He had to sit around and watch his team win a World Series without him. Um, that's tough. That, that's really, really hard to do. So if anybody is itching to get out there, it's Ronald. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't know who they're playing. I don't care who they're playing. I think Ronald's going to have himself a really, really big division series. Um, I think he's just so, so amped up to be out there. And I think he's feeling good, too. That's the big thing. That leg was just kind of, you know, it was just lingering all summer where it just wasn't 
wasn't getting a whole lot worse, but I don't think it was getting a whole lot better. And look, four, four months off will do him wonders going into next season, and we hope that it is maybe closer to three and a half months uh, than the four-month uh, end of things uh, by the time that this postseason run ends. But ultimately, you know, he's a guy that can change the game with one swing. He, he's a threat to have at the top of your lineup. He's a guy that, you know, obviously if you're an opposing starting pitcher, you can't just try to, you know, get ahead with strike one to start a game or you're down one nothing before you blink. So uh, having him in right field has made you a much better uh, defensive ball club. There's no denying that between him and Harris and, you know, whether it's Rosario or, or Grossman or, you know, whoever you put in left field, you feel so much better about your outfield now than you did, um, you know, in the first couple of months of the season. It was it was hard to watch some nights. So I just think having 13 back up there and what that means for the bottom of your order, guys, you got more RBI from the ninth spot in your lineup than any other team in Major League Baseball, and I don't think that's a shock knowing that Acuna is lurking behind whoever they've plugged into that ninth spot. So um, it certainly had a, a trickle-down effect as well for guys in other spots in the order, namely those hitting eighth and ninth in your lineup. Dansby Swanson ready to roll for another postseason. Obviously, the contract is looming. Career-high 96 runs driven in this year. Swanson at shortstop. What is the postseason forecast for him, Kevin? Well, it's funny. If you would have asked me this two, three months ago, I probably would have told you, yeah, this might be the last few games we see a Dansby in a Brave uniform. I just find that hard to believe. Now, look, his value has gone significantly up. We're not <laughs> denying that. Uh, but, you know, I just think that it's such a perfect marriage. He wants to be here. The team wants him here. Now, I know a year ago we were having these same conversations with Freddie Freeman, naming the conversation as opposed to Dancy Swanson. But I just think that if you are able to lock him up long term, think about your infield, guys. You have Riley for a decade. You could have Swanson for five, six, seven years. You have Ozzy. He's not going anywhere for another five or six years. You've got Olsen for eight more years, maybe up to nine more or whatever the math ends up being. That is huge. That is unbelievable to have that kind of continuity on one team. And that goes to show you that obviously they're not just trying to win it last year and this year. They're trying to win it for the next decade, guys. They're not letting pieces walk away. So while earlier this season I may have told you that, uh, you know, I think Dansby might end up elsewhere and, you know, who knows, maybe it's Trey Turner or Carlos Correa or somebody else playing shortstop for the Braves in 2023. I just don't feel like that's the case anymore. I think they'll find a way to get it done probably doesn't happen until after the season. And obviously, if he hits free agency, anything can happen. We know that. But um, I just find it hard to believe he'll be playing anywhere other than here. Excited to see him wearing that Braves uniform for this postseason run. And then last player to touch on here, Michael Harris the second, as you mentioned, uh, the rookie that gets to play in the postseason for the first time in his career. What a sensational season he had. Uh, folks might worry about what he's going to be able to do when the lights start shining brighter here in the postseason, but I think most of Braves country is ready to see him rock and roll out there in center field. Well, Money Mike has not been intimidated or overwhelmed by any scenario, <laughs> any situation. Matter of fact, guys, this guy hit like 390 with runners in scoring position. I mean, he wow. was clutch night in and night out. Defense, gold glove worthy. Look, when you've got Andrew Jones mouthing the words, wow, on, on balls, he's getting down in the gap. Uh, Andrew knows a thing or two about playing uh, gold glove center field, as we all know. Um, he just makes it look so easy. But again, he hasn't been intimidated or backed down from anything. And uh, it's, very, it's very exciting to, to see where he is at this point in his career. Just 21 years old, one of the youngest guys in all of Major League Baseball, but you'd never know it watching him play this game. Uh, it's similar to what Snit has said uh, about guys like Acuna and Albies the one place they're never going to be intimidated, the one spot they're never going to be overwhelmed or, or let a moment get too big is when they're on the baseball field. They live for it. And I think you can say the same thing, the same exact thing about Michael Harris. 
As this weekend is upon us, the festivities begin in Major League Baseball. The Braves await to see who they take on in the division series, but we're having these wild card series for the first time in the sport. What do you think of this, Kevin? I think it's exciting. Look, I, you know, my son gets home from school at 2.30, and I promised him we'll watch a little baseball before we, uh, we go catch the local high school football team tonight. He's been begging me to take him to a football game, and obviously working all these Friday nights, I haven't been <laughs> able to do it. And I said, hey, I said, if the Braves win the division, we can go to a football game on, on Friday night and cheer on our, uh, our Walton Raiders down the street. So looking forward to doing that. But, no, I, I like it. I really do. I think, look, here's all you need to know. The two longest droughts in the sport, as far as postseasons go, are over in Seattle and Philadelphia. What does baseball love to do? They love to get those new audiences. They love to get those, uh, grow the game, see players that you don't get to see. You're going to see Julio Rodriguez on the biggest stage. That's exciting. That's really, really fun. Philadelphia, a team that had such a good run you know, for that five or six years, haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. Here they are. Well, they can make some noise. I mean, I think this is it's good for the game. Uh, I'm excited to sit back and watch it. And you know, I'll be I'll be wearing my Padres hat later on tonight, guys. My my cousin Joe is the uh, main video director uh, for the San Diego Padres. So I sent him a text this morning. I said, "Good morning, buddy." I said, "It feels like a really good day to beat the Mets." And he said, "You know what? I agree." So uh, we'll be all rooting for for San Diego here in the McAlpin household. <laughs> Any win over the Mets is something that we can all get no behind. Doubt. That's for sure. No so doubt. all right, so the playoffs get started in Atlanta there next week, and I do want to end on this. The atmosphere at Truist Park, you got to see it for the entire postseason run last year, Kevin. You saw it this past weekend for that big series against the Mets on MLB Network this week. Mark DeRosa is talking about, look, in, in the 14 consecutive division titles at Turner Field, sometimes Atlanta fans were just used to winning, so the atmosphere wasn't that amazing. You put the battery in and all of this, and now it's one of the best environments in sports, not just the game of baseball. What are you expecting there in Atlanta? Well, playoffs started a week early. I, I joked about it on the, uh, <laughs> on the on the pregame show last week. I said, while it doesn't officially begin until a week from today, uh, the playoffs start a week early here in Atlanta. And boy, did the Braves rise to the occasion. And I've done this a number of times on my podcast. I've done it on the air here in Atlanta. Kudos to fans near and far. Guys, north of 3.1, almost 3.2 million in attendance. And wow. think about what the fan support has meant to this team on the field. Of course, they feed off the energy. They feed off the atmosphere. I've had so many guys tell me that, that this is just uh, one of the great environments to play in, but also the ability of the front office to take that money and put it back, reinvest it in the team, and continue putting a winning product on the field that you know will have this kind of atmosphere for years to come. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Brave fans, for those folks listening in your area that have made the trek out here, um, kudos to all of you, because again, it's it's been amazing. Even early on, when they weren't playing great baseball, it was full houses. I, I had uh, Austin Riley tell me that he, or, uh, it was it was Colin McHugh who actually said it. He told me he said, "Look, we had a Wednesday day game against the Pirates in July, and it was sold out." He goes, I- "I'm from around here, and I've never heard of that happening." So again, the support that the, the fans have given this team has meant so much to them, and it's going to be rocking, no doubt. No matter what time, I know a lot of folks are saying, "Well, maybe they'll get one of those earlier games on Tuesday." I don't care. They can play it at three o'clock in the morning. Truist Park will be rocking. So uh, whatever time they say play ball, this is going to be a, an awesome atmosphere. And uh, for those folks who can't be here, I'm sure you'll be able to feel that through your TV or, or radio, wherever you may be. Yeah, and so much so you think back to the run last year, and obviously talking with you each and every week from here 
here in Auburn, Alabama, in SEC football country. So many of the games sometimes happen to fall uh, with SEC football matchups, and we're still just as excited to make sure we're aware of what's happening there with the Braves throughout a postseason yeah. run. So can't wait for it all to get started next week for Atlanta. And Kevin, you're always so kind with your time. Thank you again, uh, once again, for joining us here on the radio show today. Appreciate it, fellas. You guys have a good weekend. That's Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, and he's joining us here on Sports Call.